The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Judeans, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Heavenly visions would be nice, don't you think? I mean, I don't really know. I can't say I've ever had one. I've, I've had a gut sense of call, a community of fellow people of faith to discern with, a, a retrospective sense of God having led me through life. Yes, all of those things, but no grand heavenly visions with voices from God telling me exactly what to do. At least sometimes, I think I would like the kind of clarity that Peter gets in the first reading today in this vision that comes down to him while he's in a trance, a voice from God. Here, do this. You've been doing something else, but now it's time to go forward and do this instead. This and not that. I just long for that clarity sometimes. Life is always so ambiguous. Exactly how do we live out God's call? You see, Peter, when it comes to this reading in Acts, has been faithfully following the Jewish practices of the time, keeping kosher, attending festivals, reading the scriptures. And at this point in the story, we remember there isn't quite yet something we'd call Christianity, at least in any modern sense. It's still a Jesus movement emerging in the midst of first century Judaism. And there is this persistent question that the apostles have Despite all of the ways that Jesus pushed boundaries and preached openness, they have this question about whether people have to become Jewish and follow Jewish custom in order to follow Jesus. Now, this is not some sort of legalism, as if Judaism has strict rules and what emerges as Christianity doesn't. Rather, it's a matter of how people have practiced their faith, the deep traditions that have been a part of their lives, Those Jewish food customs and the other ritual ways they oriented their life together are as dear to those folks as our favorite hymns and liturgies, our potluck suppers and candlelit Christmas Eves, our beloved worship spaces and communities. These are the ways they have practiced their faith. Now there is something new emerging. Will what has been still be a part of where we are going? Will what has been continue to be part of who we are in the future? It's a question we find ourselves asking a lot these days in our church. 
both in the big broad sense of church all over the world, but also in our individual congregations like you have here at Prince of Peace. Things in our communities and cultures are shifting and changing. But if nothing else, the story of Peter's vision this morning about how the Jesus movement will go forward should remind us that people of faith are always, have always been asking these questions. Because faith is embodied, embodied in people, embodied in living institutions, which by their very nature change and evolve, move, and yes, sometimes even die. But what will remain and what will change? What new things will emerge? What old things will be lost? For Peter, in the vision, it's about what foods are lawful to eat. Though, as I've already hinted, it's much bigger than that. It's about who gets to be in and who gets to be out. This vision, the blanket with the food and God's pronouncement, it's toward greater openness. If God said it once, God said it a hundred times, all are welcome. So, Peter, here's your vision. Go forth, live it out. Leave this behind, do this instead. If only God helped us sort out our deep questions about our lives of faith and the life of our church in such straightforward terms. You have a decision to make today here at Prince of Peace. That decision is about whether you are ready after much discernment to take an official vote to pursue holy closure. You've talked about all of the options that are available, and you've come to some consensus already about where you are leaning. And though your anxiety about the decision may have made it into your dreams, I don't know, I'm guessing at least most of you have not had a vision from God, in the sense that Peter did, saying this way and not that way. We'll have to live with a little more ambiguity than that. Here's the thing, though. These grand pronouncements from God, these visions that provide clarity of direction and unambiguous theological dicta, they're actually pretty challenging. I can't think of a single bold vision from God that doesn't result in upending life changes for the recipient of the vision. Abraham is called to wander to a new land. Moses is called to upend the society that raised him. Hannah is called to give her child over to God's service. Esther to defy authority and advocate for her people at the risk of her own life. Every prophet ever to go and do and say hard things to people in power. Mary to birth the Christ child. God's visions don't ever result in keeping things the way they are. Sailing along comfortably, already doing what you've always been doing. These decisions are hard and life-changing, whether they are clear or not. It may seem trivial to us, looking back after 20 centuries, but God's vision to Peter is setting a new direction for the emerging church. And it means a little bit of loosening of the grip on his own traditions and customs, being willing to stand and face the opposition of the others around him who think otherwise. It's a challenging move, even though there's clarity from God. I want to pause here, though, and give a disclaimer about this vision that God gives to Peter and God's other visions that interrupt and disrupt people's lives. God generally doesn't interrupt people's lives with visions that say, what you did before was wrong, now you're going to do what's right. 
Instead, God simply says, we're doing a new thing together. Come join me. It does not invalidate the beautiful traditions that have been. And in the case of Peter's vision, the the beautiful ways in which our sibling religion, rabbinic Judaism, continues to carry out those beautiful traditions. But this vision and God's other visions don't shame people for what has been or what hasn't worked or imply that something wasn't right. It's that something else is happening now, something new. And that's how I hope you will think about your decision today, however it is that you make that decision. The Prince of Peace has lived out a holy mission. It has been a place for God's people to gather, experience grace, and serve neighbors deep in faith and be God's hands in the world. And it's come to another point in your congregation's life to make critical decisions about what that mission looks like now. And in some form or fashion, whatever you vote today, God is going to do something new. And it will be hard, no matter what choices you make. But then, so is every call from God. So maybe I and we should be more careful what we wish for, what we pray for, because a clear vision from God is both gift and challenge. It's a transformation that often means losing something of what you have known as the new things emerge. It means as we continue here in this Easter season, it means death and resurrection. And in fact, we do, my siblings in Christ, have a clear call, a clear vision from God today. It's in our gospel reading. No, it is not a call that will, a vision that will tell you what to do about the life of your congregation not in the sense of congregational votes and legal decisions. It is Jesus' new commandment, new in quotation marks, his new commandment as he prepares for his glory, for his death that destroys death. And that commandment, that clarity of vision, that unequivocal statement from God is this, love one another. It is as simple and complicated as that. This Jesus says is the definition of the Christian church, the definition of discipleship, the way in which we are known by our love for others, for all others. I know and cherish the ways in which our individual faith communities shape us and form our identities. We are embodied people, and it means something to gather week after week in a particular place like this one, It means something to go through life events alongside the others in your faith community, particular people who have stood beside us in joy and grief and everything in between. It means something to identify as a congregation, a denomination, a way that we worship, a particular pathway that we serve the world. Those are all deep identities. And when they change, when congregations close or rethink their mission, There is deep pain and grief about the way those identities change. And yet those identities are not primary for Jesus, not primary for our life of faith. The call to love one another is not defined by our church buildings or congregational identities or denominational affiliations. It isn't even defined by baptism That call to love one another supersedes even the most fundamental of our welcome rights as Christians. Your call here at Prince of Peace has been to love one another.
Your call in the coming months at Prince of Peace, whatever decisions you make today, is to love one another. Your call wherever you go, wherever you worship, wherever you find community, now or in the future, is to love one another. Because love is stronger than death. More than anything, I think that's what Easter is about. That God is willing to put God's very body on the line for the sake of love. That love defeats the grave. That love simply cannot be held back, not by our failures to love in individual moments, not by institutions that change or close, not by the power of death to rip away our beloved ones from us. Love will prevail. That is God's clear vision for you this day and every day. Love prevails. God's love for you, God's love for your neighbor, God's love for your enemy, God's love for all creation to the end of all things. God's love prevails. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia.